The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, uh, while, I was, while I was studying in Rome, I had the really amazing opportunity, one of the best opportunities in my life, to go visit Lourdes and, and to bathe in the baths at Lourdes. Incidentally, has anybody been there and actually bathed in the, in the baths at Lourdes? Okay, there's a handful of you out there. That's great. Yeah, so that was a huge experience in my life. And um, I still just often think back on some of the, the things surrounding those few days that we were there. And during that particular trip, um, just, just as a recap for everybody, so the miracle at Lourdes was our Blessed Virgin Mary appearing to St. Bernadette Subaru, um, kind of right at the turn of the century, like late, late 1800s, right into the 1900s, that time period. And so right at that time, um, you know, St. Bernadette is kind of considered one of these people who she kind of struggled uh, academically. And I, can, I, I sort of know how that feels myself. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things where I think she was a little bit kind of pushed to the side because she had trouble with her catechism and even just passing the catechism class and, and memorizing the necessary things that they were asked to memorize were a little bit of a struggle for her. But as kind of we hear in that second reading from the letter of James, it wasn't her sisters or, or wise and learned people that our Blessed Mother Mary appeared to it was somebody who was a little bit more pushed to the side by society and by the way that everybody sort of evaluated her. That's who our Blessed Mother ends up appearing to. And so when the Blessed Mother appears to St. Bernadette over the course of, of a good period of time, during these uh, apparitions, one of the things that happens is that she tells her to dig in, in the dirt. And upon that very spot where she digs in the dirt, bubbles up a spring that's been there to this very day. And so now there are baths built around that spring that bubbled up from um, where Bernadette had dug into the dirt. And to go there, there has been many miraculous healings over the course of time. And almost since its inception, almost since the very beginning, people have actually been there, um, medical, a medical clinic has been there evaluating many of these miracles all throughout time. And then there's a whole criterion that the, the Catholic Church gives for evaluating these particular miracles. Now there's a show that's on that you can watch on Netflix. And I can't really speak for the whole entire show, but I can speak for one episode that somebody told me to watch, which I believe is the second episode. So on Netflix, the show is called Down to Earth. 
And the host, one of the hosts at least, is Zac Efron, the actor. And during this time, this particular episode is about water. And it starts at Lourdes. And I was shocked to see this because of a generally very secular show. I was like, this is amazing that they're actually starting at Lourdes. And so it, it begins with kind of a little bit of a rocky start when they're at Lourdes. They have a little bit of a kind of a, a disagreement with the, um, the doctor there initially. But then it goes on to just chronicle water about how necessary it is for life and, and different sources of water and all this stuff. But then appropriately, it ends back at Lourdes as well. So the end of the episodes, they're at Lourdes and they're speaking with the doctor. And the doctor is explaining to them the, the criterion for a miracle to take place. And then he's also showing them one specific case. In the case, I mean, the file folder. It's just like this thick of all the medical records about this particular case. And so in this case, somebody had some type of a bone cancer or something that degraded their entire hip joint. So the entire socket inside of the pelvis so that in many, many x-rays and, and MRIs and different things like that, all that is seen is just muscle and skin tissue. There's no more bone on this one entire side of the hip at all. You know, completely corroborated by, by the, medical, the medical instrumentation. But then this particular person bathes in the baths at Lourdes and immediately upon plunging into the water feels a certain shoring up in their hip, an immediate sensation in their hip, and they were able to stand. And then upon examining these things again with MRIs, there was a complete regeneration of the entire hip, joint, top of the femur, everything that was there. All of this bone that had completely disappeared and degenerated over years of this disease had come back in an instant upon bathing in the water. And one of the things that's a criterion for these miracles is an instantaneous healing. The same thing that you really see the, the deaf and the mute man experience with our Lord Jesus Christ. In this moment, with his intercession, his prayer, it's an immediate healing of something that he suffers with his whole entire life. And one of the things that's so unbelievable about that is that he uses the things that are around us. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention today is the sacraments and what we call sacramentals. Because you see, that's exactly the way that Jesus functions in the Gospels. And one of the things that's important is that if somebody is a follower of Jesus Christ, they really should belong to a sacramental church. Because the sacramentals are, are what a sacrament is, I should say first. A sacrament is none other than Jesus's continuing ministry on this earth that we live in. Because we remember, Jesus was walking and talking amongst people at one point in his life and in his ministry. But then eventually, he ascends into heaven and he's no longer walking and talking amongst us. But then what he gives his church, what he gives the apostles, is the sacraments to carry out his ministry. That's what he actually leads behind us, behind to us. And so if you brush aside the sacraments, or only pick and choose some of the ones that you think are the right ones, then you're actually leaving aside many of the sacraments that Christ gave us to give grace into our lives. And so this is the quick and, and really good definition of a sacrament. A sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible reality. 
So, so we come over here to this baptismal font where so many people have been baptized right there out of the water from this font. So something physical, something visible, water in this baptismal font gives you something invisible, God's sanctifying grace into somebody's life. And so that's the thing. We use things that we know we can touch, taste, see, and feel because we're human beings. So the way that the Lord would relate to us is in the things that we can actually relate to. In that very moment, you know, using even his own spit to heal the muteness of that person, you know, something from him, from his physicality, from the physical Jesus is essentially consumed by that person and then it heals them. In much the same way, that's exactly what happens at the altar, is that the Lord's body and blood from something that we can completely understand, something that starts out as normal bread and normal wine, that's completely transformed into his body, blood, soul, and divinity, that we consume, and then it begins to transform us. That's exactly what the sacraments are there to do. They're there to actually give Christ's grace to us. It's a huge, huge part of our church, and it's one of the very ways that we're actually configured towards Christ and continue to change. And so the other kind of thing that goes in part with the sacraments themselves, and remember, just as a reminder of, you know, sacraments, of course, we have the sacraments of initiation, baptism, uh, reconciliation, the first confession that you would make, and then receiving communion for the first time, and then confirmation, and then also the sacrament of matrimony, and then the last rites, anointing, ordination to the priesthood. These are all things that Jesus gives us, but some of them he gives us very specific ways to do them, like go and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he gives us what we would call the matter and the form. So he gives us the matter of like, go and this is what you do, and these are the words that you say. So baptize using water, and then the form using these words. And so many of our sacraments are specific down to that detail, but others are formulated by the authority of the church. That's, that's what's given to the apostles. And so they kind of hone it down, like the aspects of a wedding ceremony, for example, based on the theology of Jesus, but the sacramental form is formed by the authority of the church. And so a division, so to speak, of the sacraments are what we call sacramentals. And some of you have them on your very person right now at this very moment. Or you blessed yourself with one with holy water as you walked into this church today. And so sacramentals are unique. They don't give us the same sanctifying grace that we receive through the sacraments, but they are great support to it. I like to think of them as more like doorways and dispositions that actually allow us to receive the grace of Jesus Christ fully. There are things that kind of keep us open and disposed to receive the sacraments in the best way that we could possibly receive them. So one of the things that we always have to be aware of is that if there are sacramentals that help configure us to that reality of receiving God's grace, there are things that are doorways that can open us to bad things and can keep God's grace away from us as obstacles. What are some of those bad things? Some of you as parents know, know, know these kinds of things. Is here's, here's the reality of our world, remember, right? So Jesus creates us as human, be human beings, and then he also creates purely spiritual beings, the angels. But 
Lucifer, the fallen angels, and what we call demons are fallen angels, those fallen angels are still spiritual beings that still have power in the spiritual realm. So if you're not opening doorways to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, people could be opening doorways to the spirit of evil through demonic things. And how do people do this? People do this sometimes by things like you hear about like the Ouija board or horoscopes or tarot cards or different types of things um, that seek to get the power of God, not through God. That's one of the ways we open up doors that are obstacles to God's grace. That's why those things are dangerous. Because one of the things that you'll actually notice, and saints are a really great example to describe this kind of idea, is because sometimes saints had extraordinary things that were exercised through them, but always by the power of God. The thing that you'll notice about the saints, even something truly miraculous can happen, like St. Joseph of Cupertino, a patron for those taking exams and studying. So St. Joseph of Cupertino was sometimes in his prayer levitated, he was in a religious order. Many of his brothers saw this happen, saw him levitating in prayer. But he never used that for his own gain, right? He never tried to call on his power of levitation to do something for his own gain. It was through his prayer, something that God manifests through him. He never calls on it for his own gain. But often when people are tapping into these other things, like mediums and reading the future, that is knowledge reserved to God alone. And so God alone has that knowledge. So if we try to tap into that using, using evil spiritual means, you might actually gain some of that knowledge. But you do so at the hands of evil. It's not something gifted to you from the Holy Spirit because we're trying to get that for our own gain, not something that's for the glory of God, not something that's manifest from God through an individual, but something that we try to manifest for ourselves. That's kind of the danger right there. And so one of the things I brought with me today, and last week I, I mentioned the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's just so important for all of us. And so I know many of you, you here today have a Catechism of the Catholic Church, but if you don't have one, um, definitely go get one. We're one of the only faiths, you know, one of the only denominations in the world that has our faith compiled into this is what we believe. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, what do Catholics believe? Well, most of it, it's not absolutely exhaustive, but most of what you would really want to know and find is here, inside of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's an amazing resource for us to have. It's amazing how many times we have questions about the church, and instead of looking them up, people just walk away because they don't know or they don't agree. But we have one of the most easy faiths to actually um, learn about and, and, and read about. It's, it's very accessible. And so one thing, just as a tip when you're using your catechism too, is it's divided into different sections. But often there is a section, there, there's a part at the end of each section called in brief. So most of the time, the thing that you're looking for is probably in the in brief section. And sometimes I forget when I'm looking up that that's there. So you can go through the details, but often you might be able to find the answer you were looking for in the in brief at the back of that section. But sometimes you need more background, more detail. The scriptural footnotes and references are in, in the main body of the section. And today what I wanted to share with everybody is what the church teaches us about sacramentals specifically. So this is the first paragraph in this particular section. And it says, Holy Mother Church, has moreover 
instituted sacramentals. These are sacred signs which bear a resemblance to the sacraments. They signify effects, particularly of a spiritual nature, which are obtained through the intercession of the church. By them, men are disposed to receive the chief effect of the sacraments, and various occasions in life are rendered holy. So this tells us that through the intercession of the church, these things help give us a disposition so that we can receive the primary thing, Christ's ministry within the sacraments themselves. And so as you move on to this section there, it says characteristics of sacramentals. Sacramentals are instituted for the, sac the sanctification of certain ministries of the church, certain states of life, a great varieties of circumstances in Christian life, and the use of many things helpful to man. In accordance with bishops' pastoral decisions, they can also respond to the needs, culture, and special history of the Christian people of a particular region or time. They always include a prayer, often accompanied by a specific sign, such as the laying on of hands, the sign of the cross, or the sprinkling of holy water, which recalls baptism. And so many of you have saints medals or crucifixes or different things just on your person right now that are blessed, that are sacramentals of the church. And in many ways, you could think about them as these little doorways to be able to receive the sacraments in the best way we can. So we all came here today to receive the sacrament of the Eucharist, to receive our, the body and blood of our Lord. So sacramentals can continue to like align us and conform us to that reality so that we see it fully. Because as I talked about not too long ago, the thing that blocks us is mortal sin. Mortal sin is the obstacle to, to those things. So these sacramentals continue to help open the doorways for us to, to receive our sacraments in the fullest way that we could possibly imagine. And, and what happens when that actually happens? What happened to this man in the gospel? Healing. You know, these two faculties that we all use so often and, and probably take advantage of, never even really think about, to be able to speak and to be able to hear. That's completely restored for this man. What, what that person at Lourdes had lost, the ability to, to walk and be able to be mobile, was completely healed through that sacrament of water that a great miracle that, that happened many, many years ago in Lourdes and continues to happen. These things are unbelievable. I mean, sometimes, I mean, truly, we use that word unbelievable because you're like, I, I literally can't believe it. You know, it's, just, it's, it's so hard for us to grasp around these miracles of, of, of Jesus. And so one of the next thing, I'm going to read you this very last section about the distinction, again, between the sacraments and sacramentals. So sacramentals do not confer the grace of the Holy Spirit in the way that the sacraments do. But by the church's prayer, they prepare us to receive grace and dispose us to cooperate with it. For well-disposed members of the faithful, the liturgy of the sacraments and the sacramentals sanctifies almost every event of their lives with the divine grace which flows from the paschal mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. From this source, all sacraments and sacramentals draw their power. There is scarcely any proper use of material things which cannot be thus directed toward the sanctification of men 
and the praise of God. So we realize that all of those good things that come to us, all of the healing that can come to us, it always comes from that one source of Jesus Christ. And that's the thing that we always want to align ourselves to. And so it's always about keeping closed doorways to evil or closing those which you might have opened at some point in your life because of ignorance or because of somebody coercing you to do so, and opening those doors through these sacramental realities of things that we can touch, touch, taste, see, and smell that the Lord gives us through his church. If we surround ourselves with open doors to Christ, then we always have a way to get to him. But again, if we're sinning, especially mortal sin, and if we're opening doorways to evil, we have all kinds of obstacles. But just think about it like standing in the center, which is open doors just surrounding you when you surround yourself with the church and the sacramentals of the church so that you're always walking towards Christ, whatever direction that you go. And that's the way that we allow him to flow into us so that we can be that for others out into the world. That, that's the light of Christ shining to others so that when we step outside of this church, if he's able to flow freely into us, then that is seen by everybody else. The light of Christ is literally seen in each one of you by what we receive in his grace. God bless you all.